Welcome to the Voice of Fandom Podcast. The one place where you, yes, you, you, the viewer, the fan gets to connect and interact live with the host and talk about your favorite sports team, athlete, or game of the week. And speaking of host, he's straight up, straight to the point. And with a mic in his hand, he lets you know he don't give a sh**. Former pro wrestler and your host, Kingston Robinson. It is a new week, and here we are. Man, man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Uh, What a weekend, what a... I feel like the times from Tuesday to Thursday, of course, I mean, it's just a day. It's so short. And then you go from Thursday to the next Tuesday, and just so much goes on. In the land of sports, sports entertainment, uh, everything that we talk about here. And it's like, I feel like uh, Tuesday's shows are just packed with so much going on. So let's get started. Uh, today, today was interesting for me. I, I woke up and uh, I was kind of in a haze. Um, I, I felt more tired than I normally uh, would. I mean, especially for what's been going on. I mean, more tired than I should feel. Um, and you know, when you have days like that, when you're, when you're groggy and you, you want to hit snooze or you want to, you know, sit back and sleep for another 10, 15 minutes, you start making up excuses. You start over planning, (laughs) you start over planning excuses to make up for the time that you're about to sleep in. Um, you know, most people call that procrastination. Um, most people call that, you know, mismanagement of time and things of that nature. You know, you should just get up, you know, make your coffee, grab your energy drink, whatever that is, shower, get dressed and get ready for your day. And I find myself today just, just like, you know, I can get up at this time. I can wait five more minutes. I can wait 10 more minutes and making all these excuses. And once I get up and I'm making my coffee and all that, then you start thinking, oh, damn, well, if I had five more minutes, 10 more minutes, I could have got this done. I wouldn't be rushing. That I say all that because that's where a lot of NFL teams are right now. You know, they they sat back and they procrastinated. Oh, well, you know, we can wait to make this move later. Oh, we can wait to teach this later. Now they're in situations where we're coming up on week eight. We're halfway through the football season. I, I mean, believe it or not, a lot of people didn't think this season was even going to happen. And here we are, week eight. Well, coming soon, week eight, and we're sitting here. I mean, I'm on a podcast talking about the past seven weeks of football. We are sitting here, even with the schedule moves in the, you know, adjusted rules on injured reserve and the COVID list and multiple outbreaks that have happened through multiple teams. We still have NFL football so far. 
And there are teams that now are halfway through the season and procrastinated too long. They stayed in their bed for an extra five to 10 minutes and they just procrastinated too long. And now you see the teams that had the media hype. You see the teams that had the paper potential. You know, they have stars in different places or they had the uh, progressive nature going into the end of last year, and they were projected to do very well. Due to that procrastination, now they're like, "Ah, I wish we had an an extra week. I wish we would have scouted a little better on this side and we could have gotten another star player here or here, and that would help us out a lot. That's where they are. And it's insane to think because there's also some teams that from what it looks like on video, just assume this season wouldn't happen. It seemed like they just assumed the NFL was not going to go on, even though they were told it was. And I'm not going to hold these teams to this weird standard where a team can be bad because of injuries. When the NFL motto is next man up. I am not going to say a team has the privilege, the excuse to be bad. When you now have all these extra rules to bring in extra people, have extra people on the roster. You can move these people in and out of the injured reserve list. The injured reserve uh, spot is now a decreased amount of time. So you can easily move a player to the injured reserve for three weeks promote another player up and just shift them around (laughs) over, over that span of time. There are so many rules now that are allowing teams to stay consistent and be better and get a chance to help develop and heal players at the same time. Yet there are some that are a burning, burning trash can of Inferno. One of those teams is the Dallas Cowboys. The team that gets so much, so much media because of Jerry Jones and it being America's team, which I don't even believe is is a true fact anymore. You know, people used to see the Cowboys and that was like national television, you know, stars, wins, Super Bowls, playoffs. No, not so much. You know, now Dallas Cowboys fans are ridiculed because the last time we saw the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl, you'd have to catch it on VHS. (laughs) That says a lot. The last time we've seen a Dallas Cowboy team that was America's team, that did have those caliber of things that go along with the media attention that the Cowboys have. It has static feedback because it's on film. It's not digitized. It's not on a disc. It was not recorded in HD. So I think 
Now it is finally time. It was that time five years ago. But it is finally that time for Dallas Cowboys fans to sit down and be humble. There is nothing left for you to do. Your team has given up on the rest of your team. Now it has become the blame game in the locker room. Players are saying that McCarthy are not is not coaching them well enough to win games. McCarthy is saying, I've overprepared this team. And maybe they're overthinking, which is why we are not winning games. Your starting quarterback, who is the leader of your team, goes out via injury and is out for the rest of the season. Your backup quarterback now comes in. And in his second game, in his second full game, he plays a Washington football team that is very capable of beating. Gets knocked out. And no Dallas Cowboy to be found to confront the person that knocked out your now starting quarterback. To talk to the referee. To converge on this Washington football team who has now taken out your second quarterback. Now, as of right now, Andy Dalton is still in percussion, uh, concussion protocol, and we don't know the severity of how things are going, how long he will be out. But now you have a kid that potentially starts your next game that entirely no one knows of, probably even some of the people on the team. And they had the nerve to say on the broadcast that the coaching staff hasn't been preparing Andy Dalton for games. They have actually been preparing this kid in the fear that something like this would happen. <laughs> well, you know when they say you just speak things into existence? They spoke that into existence. Because <laughs> it's right there. Now, now they have to face that completely. And it is such a shame. But the Dallas Cowboy fandom now has a warm seat at the couch and should not say anything for a very long time. Whether if it's, we should fire our head coach. No, you just did that, got a new one, and you see where you are now. Oh, we should pay or not pay Dak? Well, you didn't, and you see where you are now. Oh, we need to make sure we take care of Zeke. You did. And you see where you are now. Dallas Cowboy fandom, it is time to sit down and not say anything. Because as the tides turn, there are teams that, you know, finally just don't have the juice anymore. They had it for some time. They had it for a long time. And they just don't have it anymore. Teams very similar to that. The New England Patriots. The New England Patriots had the juice, and I mean juicy juice, 100% good juice. Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. The Patriots were the team. And unfortunately, Patriots fans will become the new Cowboys fans. They will be loud. They will talk about all of the Super Bowls that they won. 
They will talk about all of the accolades and the championship games and the AFC this and that. But in a few years, tell me where that's going to be. Because there's a grand possibility that the New England Patriots will be in a rut for some time. The New England Patriots could see the last of the Bill Belichick tenure. And what happens? What happens when Bill Belichick leaves? You know, everyone has suspicion that he's going to hand it over to a son and his son will be the next head coach and all those things. But what happens now that Tom is gone? What happens if Bill leaves? What happened is Bill says, you know what? I got one more year after this year in me to possibly bring in a new quarterback and start to turn this team around because right now it is, it, whew, it's falling apart real fast. But I can tell you this right now. The New England fandom. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Look at where they are right now and hope and pray you do not end up in a situation where eight years later, you're still talking about the Super Bowls you won with Tom Brady. Because if that's the case, I will be right back somewhere else, whether if it's on this mic, a newer one, a better one, whatever technology we have in that time. And I will be telling you the same thing I just told the Cowboys. Sit down and be humble. You are no longer the same team. And there is no reason to continue to speak on the Super Bowls that your kids didn't even see. And if they did, they were able to watch it on DVD. And we are watching things on a fucking microchip at that time, maybe on a wrist. I have no idea. Very insane to think about. Everyone said that. Cam Newton is the savior of this team. We don't have to rely on Jared Stidham. Because before Cam Newton, it was, oh, I can't believe this season's going to start. We've had so many people opt out on our team. This isn't fair. To me, I already find it hilarious when Patriots fans think things are fair or not. That's automatically hilarious to me. But that were that was all the things coming from Patriots fans. Then you sign Cam Newton, and it's like, oh, Superman is back. We knew Bill Belichick was going to pull a rabbit out of the hat. <laughs> and then Cam goes on a little hot streak, and it's Cam is the best Cam. Cam and Bill are 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 getting along. They're morphing the system into something that Cam's going to succeed in. And then Cam gets COVID, and then it turns into, oh, well, we would have beat the Chiefs if Cam would have started. And, wow, we're going to lose against the Chiefs because Cam is out and all of our defensive uh, pro bowlers opted out. And all. And then, you know, excuse after excuse, Cam comes back, loses a hard one, has to deal with Denver beating, beating the Patriots just by the leg of Brandon McManus. Then you go and you have a game where it's like, you know what? I can prove it. I was only back for a little bit. I was gone. I can prove this now. 
and you play against a 49ers team that have been, you know, up and down, sputtering a little bit after the Super Bowl, and you don't do anything. Cam sacked, picked off, picked off, picked off, benched. New England, pay attention to the Cowboys. Because you could easily become that franchise. You can easily become that fandom. The team everyone used to fear. The team that everyone had locked in preseason to go to the playoffs. To be a Super Bowl caliber team. And you go 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> You know? And you're still talking about the Super Bowls that... Not many people that are watching, currently watching football will remember. They'll remember Tom Brady. They'll remember, oh yeah, everyone called him the GOAT. But it's just like how LeBron fans look at LeBron as the GOAT. Sooner than later, there will be a next. And the ones that appoint that next person the GOAT didn't get to see LeBron live. Didn't get to watch LeBron do his thing. I barely, I barely got to witness the MJ era. And I'm an MJ over LeBron fan, I believe, because of that. You know, so because of that reason, yeah, hold on to that as much as you can right now. Because sooner than later, Patriots fans, you are going to be sitting on the warm couch that the Cowboys left warm for you. And that's where you'll be. Because you had the juice. 100% juicy juice. It's gone. And you're probably going to be thirsty for a long time. Now, can Bill Belichick and his massive brain pull it together and remedy everything that's going on and, you know, make make a run that we've never seen with like a quick turnaround from two and four. There's a possibility. This schedule is not terribly difficult, but you got the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens, the Texans, the Cardinals, the Chargers. Those are your next six games. Bills are going to be tough. That's divisional, and they are fighting to take this division away from you. Jets, I I think that's everyone's gimme bye week now. You know, with bye weeks being in flux because it'll be moved around if one team tests too much pot, all that kind of stuff. The Jets is the league's gimme bye. You have to go out and execute, but, you know, you could probably try some some trickery here or there, some new plays, some new formations, you know, give a couple new players some shots, those kind of things. The Ravens, pay attention. Especially, especially if the Ravens are one of the teams in the talk to get Quinnen Williams from the Jets. If you haven't heard, now you've heard, Quinnen Williams, former... This is the crazy part. Uh, former third overall pick from the Jets is on the trading block. And 
we all know that the Jets have been on this. Uh, anyone that's talented, get out. We're not even trying to pretend we want to win games, which is why the point spread for Chiefs Jets started at minus 20 points. And I don't know if it will actually go lower or get higher. I have no idea. Because if they somehow make a deal to trade Quinn Williams before that game, it could go higher. And there's someone with a jackhammer right outside my window. I don't even know if you guys have been able to hear this this entire time. But, yeah, they're just doing something to a road that is completely fine, but seems to get worked on every day. But the Patriots see the Jets, Ravens, Texans, Cardinals, Chargers. What a time. What a time. Cardinals really showing up to be a team to watch. And I've been watching the Cardinals because of Kyler Murray. I enjoy what Kyler Murray is doing. I wanted to see his continued progression as a quarterback. And he went toe-to-toe which with the quarterback that uh, most compare him to. Undersized. Baseball, football. Like, they, they are very, very similar styles of quarterbacking. And it's... It was a really incredible game to see. You saw almost in back-to-back possessions, balls being dropped in the buckets for their receivers. Just accuracy, fun play. Uh, Both were using their legs. Both were throwing the deep ball. Both were being smart. Now, Russell Wilson may have hurt himself in the MVP race by throwing three picks in a game that was very tight, back and forth. There wasn't time for mistakes like that. There wasn't time for ill-advised throws. Like those, those weren't interceptions where it was tight window, the ball was popped up, bounced around, pick. No. One was jumped and just taken. And if it wasn't for DK Metcalf hunting him down like a dog, hunting him down, which was insane but that would have been six points and effectively if the game would have went towards that same momentum would have ended the game with the Cardinals on top in regulation but exciting game to see Um, now that division is almost completely loaded with five wins And it's going to be really interesting to see who comes out of that, especially with extra, you know, teams going into the playoffs. It'll be very interesting. Now, Jaguars Chargers, I don't know who the Jags think they're fooling by trying hard, but still losing games. But that's what they're doing. They they really make it look competitive. Like, they're not being the Jets where it's everyone talented to get out. We're not trying to win games. The Jags are like, I mean, we're still around. Minshew's playing for his job because it was stated last week if Minshew does not do any better, he will be benched. And it's like, well, at that point, if you if you bench Garner Minshew, 
what are you really telling your team that you're the Jets 2.0? Well, 2.5 because the Cowboys are the Jets 2.0. They're the Jets with superstars. You know, Ezekiel Elliott. and uh, We have all these names on defense and you see where that goes. I find this week in football really funny because as I said earlier, you know, sometimes you speak things into existence. Sometimes you say things and then you walk around the corner and it happens. I even mentioned last week where Odell was talking about how COVID doesn't want anything to do with his body and his body doesn't want anything to do with COVID. And I was telling you guys that he was speaking that into existence. He wasn't being ignorant. He wasn't being ill-educated. He was speaking that into existence because he literally wants no part of COVID. And I said something last week where that ironic thing happens where you say something and it's like the universe wants to prove you wrong. It's not, it's not the whole speaking it into existence. It's like you say something and the most ironic thing could happen. And I said so much last week about how this week of football was going to be so trash. All the matchups were bad. There was nothing that was going to be entertaining. And boy, did I get proven wrong. Because there were just games that were out of pocket entertaining for no reason. For no reason at all. And it, some were entertaining in hilarious ways, like Lions-Falcons. Some were entertaining in a fascinating way, like Cowboys in Washington. Some were entertaining in the dropping bombs all over the place, you know, have, have a day in Packers, Texans. So I found it really interesting that I was watching a lot more entertaining football than I expected to see this weekend. And one thing that was very entertaining to me was seeing my point being proven about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I know, I know they won. I know that they are the only undefeated team in the league. But <laughs> that doesn't mean they're good. That just means they've been better than what they've seen. You know the saying... You don't have to be the fastest one to not be eaten by a bear. You just have to be just fast enough than the slowest person. To me, that's the Steelers in their schedule. They are just good enough to who they've been put up against. I mean, look at their previous opponents. The six that they've beaten, the almighty six. The New York football giants. The Denver Broncos the Houston Texans, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Cleveland Browns, and the Tennessee Titans. The strongest team that they have faced were the Tennessee Titans, where they gave up. They gave up a ugly lead. Come on. Yeah, I expect them to beat the Giants. I expect them to beat the Broncos. I expect them to beat the Eagles and the Browns and the Texans. And just like I've said on the show multiple times, I don't congratulate teams. 
for brushing their teeth. Now, if you fail to brush your teeth and you get cavities, I'm going to talk to you about it. It's just like if the Chiefs don't, what is going on? GTA outside? But it is just like if the Chiefs don't take care of their job and beat the Jets, I'm going to have a lot to say. Because all they have to do is line up on the ball and snap, and that should be a gimme game. The Steelers have had at least four of those games. The Steelers have at least four gimme games. The Eagles, the Giants, the Broncos, and the Browns. You are not going to tell me that this is the best 6-0 team out here. It's not. You are not going to tell me that they have the most dominant defense in football because they do not. They have seen continuous offensive lines made out of paper mache. Now, do I agree with my chat and that the Steelers are going to get mollywopped on Sunday when they face the Ravens? I don't know. I think they will be humbled. Molly Wapt is, you know, the Ravens are going to put up 40 points and Steelers will be held in check under 20. I don't know if I see that happening because divisional games are divisional games. They're always tough. They're usually tight. But <laughs> I feel like they're filling themselves too much. I know their fandom is. I know their fandom is. I think they're filling themselves too much. They need to look at the caliber of teams that they have faced. And you know what? The rest of their schedule favors them. The rest of their schedules favor them. After the Ravens, Cowboys, Bengals, Jags. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So, yeah. They're they're gonna they're gonna make it to the playoffs. Yes, their defense is flying around the ball. Their rush. I, I'm not discrediting the fact that TJ Watt is not a monster. That the loss of Devin Bush is is going to hurt, but he's been flying around the ball. You know they have studs, but please, please stop saying the Steelers are the AFC. Please stop saying this is the resurgent of Blitzburg. Please stop hyping up a team that is just beating bad teams. That's just where that is. Come on. The, the, I can't tell you enough how much this team could and more than likely will get exposed in the playoffs. Because what happens? You saw what happens when the when the Steelers played the Titans and they played a competent defense and a competent offense. Because, it's, because the Titans can run the ball. They can play action. They have one, maybe one and a half, very good deep threats. 
And what happened is that they came back from a deficit and made made the Steelers sweat. Matter of fact, if Goskowski would have made that field goal, which he usually in those moments, that's his time. If he would have made that field goal, they would have went into overtime. And do the Steelers have that that endurance to close that game? No, because if it wasn't for a missed field goal, that game wouldn't have been closed. The Steelers are not who they say they are. And from the looks of it, the Ravens are the last semi-real team left in their schedule. And they still have to see them twice. There's always at least two imposters in the group. And the Steelers is definitely one of them. So with that, let's talk about my team. This isn't going to be long because there isn't much to say. The Kansas City Chiefs did exactly what I need them to do on Sunday against the New York Giants, and that is snap the ball and be present. Other than that, there is no overcomplications. There is nothing else that needs to be done. The Denver Broncos are on a hilarity run. It, they must be on a large amount of bad drugs because after after getting beaten 43 to 16 in Denver in the snow where Pat Mahomes my bad Patrick Mahomes throws for a career low definitely season low of yards, touchdowns, and completions. You lost 43 to 16, and you have the nerve in your post-game interview to say, we are only a few pieces away from the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't see anything spectacular about the Kansas City Chiefs compared to us. This is what Denver Bronco players are saying after being beat 43 to 16. You know what that leads to? You know what that mentality leads to? Because some would say, oh, that's confidence in your team. Some would say that's how you're supposed to react. You're not supposed to let that team know that they've beaten you mentally. No, what that screams to me is you're delusional. The best thing that Derek Carr has done was when he said, when he was told about the Chiefs Raiders rivalry in his pregame interview, and he said, you know what? We have to win some games. We have to win some games for it to be a rivalry. I think the Denver Broncos needs to look at that. Because you know what does separate the Chiefs from the Broncos? And it's not even a skilled player. It's not even a certain position. It's exactly what my man Norris said. The Chiefs are a complete team. How do you lose 43 to 16 and the quarterback only threw one touchdown? And it's not a Ravens thing where he threw one touchdown and rushed for three. No. 
That wasn't the case. Pat Mahomes only threw for one touchdown. And then you had a pick six. And then you had a kick return touchdown. And then you have some field goals here or there. And then you find yourself scoring on all three phases, including the Pat Mahomes touchdown to Tyreek Hill. And then you bring in your backup quarterback in Chad Henney, and he moves down the field, and he scrambles in for a touchdown on an RPO. So you mean to tell me backup quarterback got a touchdown, starting quarterback got a touchdown, your RB1 got a touchdown, your defense got a touchdown, and special teams got a touchdown. And with all that being said, Broncos, you want to know what separates you from the Chiefs? Because it's not even all of that. It's 10 consecutive wins. 10 consecutive wins. We see you two times a year, every year. Five seasons straight, you have not won a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. That's what separates the Chiefs from you. So, sure, you may be a few pieces away. Away from what? I have no entire idea. But just like I said, to me, that is not a strong mentality. That is not something you say to let your opponent know that you were not beaten mentally. That is delusion. You've been beaten. 10 consecutive times in your own division. The games that you're supposed to play the closest because you see them the most. And you haven't even had a chance. What a shame. Straight delusion. And you have to see that team more and more. Matter of fact, you have another game this year against the Chiefs. And it's sad that you had to see the very first game of Pat Mahomes in week 17. And now you just keep seeing them grow right in front of your eyes. Do you think Drew Locke is your Pat Mahomes? Do you think Von Miller is always going to be your savior in games? I don't think so. Uh, let's talk about last night, Rams bears. Now, I don't know why sports apps do too much (laughs) when they try to get you to watch games, because like I'm sitting here watching the game on my iPad and my phone is like the Rams defense is going off. Tune in and watch Monday night football. And I look and I'm like, I I know what the Rams defense is doing because I played them in fantasy. I'm watching and they're not going off. I mean, they're doing what they should be doing. Now, late in the game, you know, pick here, sack here. They started getting things rolling, but it's like, yo, Aaron Donald's on this defense. The Bears offensive line is not great. I expect this Rams defense to be moving. 
I expect this Rams defense to be, you know, pushing some people around. Jalen Ramsey, some hard hits, some picks. I, I, I need that from you. Because at one time you were the you were the LA money bags. You were out there dropping, dropping money here, there, making sure everybody good. You had these star names on your teams, and now you've kind of floated into this odd water. There's a lot of teams that had a lot of hype, and they're in some odd water right now. And the Rams, even though they picked up that victory. They're still in the odd water because guess what? The Bears are extremely suspect. The Bears, as a lot of people have said, and that's not just people with the microphone, the Bears are the worst two-loss team in the entire league. They are just not good. And they are that team that will sneak into the playoffs and just get ran through by whoever they see. Sorry, but that's where that is. And it is sad to see that uh, there are a lot of teams like that. Like if the Browns somehow sneak in there. And I hate, I will say this, I hate that Baker Mayfield decided He wanted to learn how to play and, you know, throw the football and all those things after Odell gets hurt. It's a shame because Odell got hurt after playing defense from Baker Mayfield's interception, which is the story. That's the biggest story of that injury. Odell has done everything right since coming to Cleveland. He's been a good teammate. He's kept his ego in check. He's been with Jarvis creating, you know, positivity and trying to keep their team up when things are going on. He creates plays when he can, even though his quarterback is tremendously, tremendously inaccurate. And even with all that, he gets hurt. And out for the rest of the season by playing defense from his quarterback's interception. Now, if he had the diva attitude, the mentality that everybody wants to to put on Odell. Because he definitely was like that when he first got into the league. And he had a bit of that in LSU. Like everyone was so surprised about who Odell was. But this... This was nothing new. But everyone still sees him as that guy. He would have walked off the field when that interception happened. But he didn't. He ran down and became a defender. And through that, through mid-air collision, lost a year off of his football career. A year that seemed to be very promising for the Browns. It's just a a sad thing to see. Injuries are starting to stack up again. A lot of players are out due to hamstrings, ACLs. A lot of ACLs this year. 
And it is sad that one of those went to the fact of a teammate that by national media still gets painted as a bad teammate. Chased down someone that picked off his quarterback and has lost a entire season. After the weeks of he could be traded talk, after the weeks of this girl saying I like to get shit on my chest, all this. The media turning around the COVID don't want nothing to do with me. And now, if the Browns fall apart after this, it's going to be because they don't have Odell. But if they do well, it's going to be Baker plays better football without Odell, and Odell needs to be gone. Mm. And it's a shame that either way, he cannot do anything about that conversation, but rehab and wherever he goes next, he has to prove once again on another team that Odell Beckham Jr. is a premier wide receiver. With that being said, and with this jackhammer still going in the background, we're going to go to our first break. And on the other side, we are going to talk something that's kind of been neglected, which is crazy because of my previous life. But we are going to talk some wrestling. It's not going to be too in-depth. It's not going to be too crazy. But we are going to talk some wrestling. And I'm going to talk about who who is the greatest champion in this past decade, 2010 to 2020. Who has been the person to hold a championship and be that guy. <clears throat> no matter the brand, no matter how long they had it or how many times, who is that guy? We'll talk about it on the other side of this break. You are listening to the Voice of Fandom Podcast.
Now, now that we're back, now that we're here, I'm going to touch on a few, few more NFL things before we get to wrestling. One is to prove a point from before the break. Uh, Mike Clay at Mike Clay NFL, if you want to follow him on Twitter, just put out the strength of schedule, you know, ranked from top to bottom, who has the easiest schedule to the hardest schedule remaining for the rest of the season due to how teams have played the season so far. To prove my point about the Steelers, the Steelers at this point had the second easiest schedule remaining next to the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns have the first easiest schedule, the easiest by far, especially with their buy coming up. The hardest thing about the Steelers schedule is the fact that their buy is gone and they have to play the rest of their game straight. And a lot of their fans are holding on to that. Oh, well, we have to pay, play all of our games straight through because the Titans fucked up our buy. I'll give you that attrition injuries, but you, you are the identity of your head coach and your head coach said, we don't give a damn. We don't need no excuses. So be about that. The Pittsburgh Steelers see Baltimore and then Dallas, Cincy, Jacksonville, Baltimore again, Washington, Buffalo, Cincy, the Colts, and then the Browns. They should only lose one game out of that. And if they lose that one game and crumble, I will be right on here to let you know (laughs) once again that I've been on this train this entire time. But enough of that. Enough of that. We'll talk some wrestling right now. Now, as I mentioned on a previous episode where I had our friend Josh Wheeler on, and we talked more MLB than anything, Josh is actually a former promoter of mine. of a wrestling company that I used to work for, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. And it was semi-surprising, but not surprising that of having my former promoter on, we didn't talk much wrestling. What's been really difficult for me personally to watch wrestling is the fact that, you know, when when you get into the business, you start watching wrestling a different way. You don't watch wrestling as much as a fan anymore. You watch wrestling for the technique. You watch wrestling for the emotion. You watch wrestling to be able to store things in your mind that you can either imitate or turn into your own for the next time that you actually do wrestle. You watch and study film. It's the same thing with football. When you actually start playing football, you see it differently. You don't see it as, oh, it's a first down. What are we going to do? Oh, look at this formation. These people are lined up differently than I've seen. You don't look at it like that anymore. You know, if it's your team, oh, it's first and 10. Okay, we're in the pistol. We got the fullback over here. Okay, it's probably going to be a run to the left. Then you look at the defense. Mm, the defensive loader of the box. You see the quarterback starting to move. Okay, he's checking, checking. He sees that it's going to be a full box. We won't run. 
there's probably an underneath route coming because the linebackers are going to pull forward. You start seeing it like that. And with wrestling, that's how I see. You know, as matches go on, I can start to tell you what's going to happen, how things are going to go. And that makes watching wrestling with friends or things of that nature. I just, you know, typically have to close my mouth. I have to shut off the wrestler mind and try to enjoy it as a fan. Now, granted, what really helps me with that is because of wrestling, I have a lot of wrestler friends. So when we watch things together, we can either all shut off our wrestler mind and enjoy it as a fan, or we just sit there and like nitpick and pull it apart and all those kind of things. But what's made that hard recently is that wrestling, especially the mainstream product, which would be WWE, is a little hard to watch at the moment. Now, they have their times. They have their moments. Of course, WWE will always have their times and moments. It is the brand of wrestling. Uh, I'm sorry, AEW. I'm sorry to the other brands that are claiming to be the premier television league, but WWE still has that candle. They have names to where kids are wanting to be them. They have the consistency and are always on television. Their wrestlers are in movies. Their wrestlers are putting out music. When you have a wrestler that puts out a pre-pay-per-view workout playlist, and within an hour it has hundreds of thousands of follows, you are a premier athlete and you are part of a premier league. Now I say all that to get to this. It is now 2020 and we are all very well aware of that. And everyone always puts out like a uh, all decade list when a new decade begins. People talk about what, what has happened that is so great in this decade, whether if it's a football team or a certain athlete or maybe an album or things of that nature. I am here to talk about the greatest champion in the past decade. From 2010 to 2020, who was the best WWE champion? And this is going to be very interesting because, you know, During this time, WWE unified the title, separated the titles. Now there's a Universal and a WWE, and there's no longer a World Heavyweight Champion in a WWE, and all those things. I am going to tell you from my opinion, as a fan and a wrestler, who was the best athlete to hold a championship from 2010 to 2020. But first, we will go through some of the athletes that were champion during this time. You have uh, on the lower tier for me, uh, guys like Sheamus, who I was never high on. He's had good matches with good people. That doesn't make him a good wrestler. His character 
and motions in the ring are very one-dimensional. He is not one that gravitates and explodes off the screen and shows me that this is a star caliber guy. Now it's hard because he's been fighting back and forth through injuries and has been off and then was retired and then back and all of that. But Seamus, okay. The Miz, who during this time, the Miz was starting to get some steam. The Miz got into his feud with the Rock during this time. It's a lot going on. CM Punk. Now, a lot would say, a lot would say CM Punk was very uh, influential during this time. Before he left, this was the CM Punk that won the world title. Then left. Then John Cena world the one title. Then CM Punk came back. Then it was, uh, who's going to win the real world title? Then that transitioned to the Del Rio feud. And CM Punk had some very captivating storylines going on during that time. Because it was a lot of... You know, a lot of storylines are like mm, 70, 30. And the fact that 70 of it is things that are brainstormed and mapped out and all of that. And then 30% of it is what's real. What is what is the tangible, tangible thing about all of this? Punks was more 70, 30 in 70 of it is tangible. Seven, 70% of it is real. 30% of it was how can we map this out? The next person that leads to that, John Cena. Everyone, I am sure, will say from 2010 to 2020, John Cena is that guy. There was, uh, there almost couldn't be a time that you turned on the television and watched wrestling and John Cena either did not have a title <laughs> but was still in the title picture or had the title himself. Very, very few times would you see that happen. But he is not my pick. He is not that guy. Because John Cena has this, uh, and everyone says this as a positive, but John Cena has this encapsulating uh, presence around him. That anytime that he comes out, he has the strong haters and the strong lovers. Or as wrestling fans know, he has the Let's Go Cena and the Cena Sucks fans. And that's great. That's electrifying. That's, you know, that's that presence that, you know, no matter what, as soon as your music hits, it invokes a reaction. And as a wrestler, that's all you want. Because the worst thing to happen as a wrestler is to come out and not have any reaction at all. The worst thing as a wrestler is to come out to just hearing your music. I used to get chills every time my music would come on. Because once it started to catch steam, the first five or so seconds would be one of the last things that I hear. Until I walk out and hear the beat drop. Because people knew who I was. 
And they immediately either started booing and shitting on me. Or they started cheering because they knew something wild was about to happen. And I haven't even been to the magnitude of stage that guys like John Cena have. But John Cena is not that. And I I want to explain a little further why I say he's not that guy. Wrestling is give and take. Wrestling is a art and where there has to be something positive out of everything. Whether if you were on the receiving end of a squash match, whether if you're in a long drawn out feud for a title, there has to be something positive out of both ends. Whether if it's to close up a story, whether if it's to elevate a person, whether if it's to belittle a person so we can, you know, Swap them off to the end, repackage them, bring them back later. Most of the things that happen with John Cena included are just for John Cena. There's not much give and take. There's not much of a positive thing happening on both sides. A lot of people that have run into the John Cena buzzsaw was just that. They were just sawdust by the end of it. You had your few that stuck around, but those were always your people that were already established, already in the WWE superstar category. Very few were elevated from things with John Cena. Fans have given up on some wrestlers when they see that they are heading towards the John Cena situation. Because they knew it was no longer about whoever their wrestler, you know, favorite wrestler was. It was about Cena. Alberto Del Rio, we can just skip past that. <laughs> yeah, he had a few, he had a few touches, but it didn't work out that great. And you see, he's a complete piece of shit. So we'll 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 jump out of that real quick. Then you have guys like Daniel Bryan. Hell, The Rock, you know, all these people, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Triple H, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, Bray Wyatt, uh, name after name, Kofi Kingston, Jinder Mahal, yeah, Jinder Mahal, I'm just, (laughs) come on. And now you have your current champion who just won it. What, two days ago? And I will tell you why. Randy Orton is the champion of the decade. Not only has Randy Orton been here this entire time, not only has Randy Orton touched the title at least, at least one time every two years, but has never been in a situation where he is in the ring with someone and a positive thing doesn't come out for both. Randy Orton is one of the best workers in that locker room. He can make anyone look good. (laughs) There are times where I feel that Dolph Ziggler fights him for being one of the best in the locker room. And then somehow Randy Orton shows up in this feud and makes 
someone look incredible along with himself and shows that no matter how old he is, how, how many, you know, dumbass bumps he takes, no matter how many stipulation matches he's in, no matter how insane or dumb the storyline could be, Randy Orton carries all of it. He's incredible on the mic. He makes everyone look good in the ring. He knows how to, if it wasn't put on example enough, the Edge and Randy Orton whole thing that happened was incredible. It was incredible. And for my wrestlers that watch this, they know Randy's pacing. Randy's personality. Randy's attention to detail when it comes to wrestling. His mic skills. <laughs> I I can honestly say, and the chat is already starting to say it, my guy Cody, says one of the best matches that he's seen um, was at Raw, Orton versus Ziggler. In any Orton-Ziggler match, that it didn't end in DQ or uh, ended up being a squash somehow. It has always been a great match. Orton consistently can have a good match with anyone. And yeah, he has the TV formula. Yeah, you know, when he sets up certain moves, you know what's coming. But that's part of being the TV brand. Not everything is going to be high spot this, high spot that, dive here, dive here, jump here. And you know what's even more fascinating about that is that in the wrestling world and the fact that you have to do a flip or a trick or dive or anything like that, in the wrestling world where that is the culture, you have to do that to be considered hype. Twitter worthy, gift worthy, all of that. You know what Orton does? The same thing. And it gets over. You know what Orton does? <laughs> he can speak on the mic. He can tell a story. He can work a crowd that's not there. You know, one of the biggest problems in the early stages of this COVID thing and everything's getting shut down and they didn't have the WWE Thunderdome and they didn't have all of that. They had Edge and Orton work in front of what was what, like 15, 20 workers in a match where should have been sold out going bonkers between him and Edge and they worked the hell out of that match. Because one of the hardest things about that card is that you could tell there were people in that ring that did not understand their pacing and were rushing everything, jumping around, doing so much where, as a fan, you couldn't really digest it. You couldn't really get hype about certain things. And as a worker, you're just seeing it's just sloppy. It's not good. But you see Orton and you see Edge. Two incredible, incredible minds in that ring. And they took you on a ride. 
Not once, but twice. A ride. I was, and I hate it, but I was baffled by how good that, I know a match is so good that I'm trying to sit down and watch it as a wrestler. I'm trying to look at the nuances and pick it apart and all that. And I get pulled out of that. And I watch it as a fan. That's how I know a wrestling match is good. Orton is responsible for a lot of those moments for me. And people may hate Orton's character. But guess what? (laughs) That's been him this whole time. And what is beautiful about Orton is that whether if he's a quote unquote baby face or a quote unquote heel, he is the same person. And that is a beautiful spot to be in wrestling. You don't change who you are. The greatest wrestlers are ones that the fans have to choose objectively due to situation who they believe in. And if they hate a certain decision that you've made here or there, yes, they're going to boo you. But it was your decision. It wasn't something that was manufactured to get a cheer or a boo. It's like when Orton starts punting off legends. Rewind the tape. We've seen it before. This is him. This is WWE Randy Orton. That's the beautiful thing. And he's so crisp. Anytime he has a championship, he he embodies being a champion. I hate it from the top level to the indie level. I hate it when wrestlers uh, get championships and they throw around the name like it doesn't matter. They call it a strap belt. Stop saying things that sound easily obtainable. Because then you're, you're verbally giving off, oh, I can go get a belt. I can go get a strap. It doesn't sound illustrious anymore. It doesn't sound to the league of where it should be. But when you say you have this championship, when you hold it with a tight grip, when you don't just sling it around and drag it. When you go and do your top rope pose, your corner pose, whatever it may be. And you hold it like it has some essence. Those are the little nuances that make you better than those around you or before you. Those are the things that people don't even know that they see. But they see it and they're like, damn, I hate that motherfucker. But maybe, maybe he's about that good shit. And that's such a wild thing to think of that wrestling is broken down to those small things. But when you get 
into TV and things like that. Those are the things that elevate you past other people on the roster that get you more TV time, that get you pushed to do better things. Me and one of my best friends, my bro, Murder One, were signed to a TV deal in St. Louis. And I learned so much in that span, not only just in traveling, but when it comes to cutting promos for TV, when it comes to being in the ring for TV, knowing where each camera is, knowing how to work and different things. And knowing that Randy has been doing it this long at this high a level and doesn't even have to think about that and can go out and elevate any person that's in the ring. Like, I can't give you a bad Orton match. I can't. I'm sure there's some out there. I'm sure somebody will YouTube me a link talking about how bad this Orton match was or that Orton match was. But I, I can't give it to you because the product that he's put out outweighs that. I can give you a lot of bad Cena matches. I can give you a lot of bad Sheamus matches, a lot of bad Batista matches, a lot of bad, I hate to say it, but Rey Mysterio matches. A lot of bad Bray Wyatt matches, Roman Reigns matches. I can do that off the top of my head. I'm one of the biggest rock fans in the world. Current, current and, and post WWE. But he's had bad matches. So when it comes to WWE champions of this decade, 2010 to 2020, Randy Orton is your <laughs> champion of the decade. And there's not an argument about it. So with that, I think that concludes my WWE talk. <laughs> uh, because uh, like I said earlier, and like I said last week, the product has been kind of hard to watch. The product has been something to where I can no longer step back from the wrestler mind and just be a fan because there are very, very few matches that invoke enough emotion for me to do so. Now, I will say a few things. Shout out my guy, Martin Stone, a.k.a. on the WWE product known as Danny Burch getting the NXT tag titles with, with the big dog, Pat McAfee. And if Pat McAfee is the mouthpiece for Oni Lurkin and, and Danny Birch, and that's how they're going to roll about that, I am down with it 3,000%. So, I mean, come on. Current slash former slash who knows what the hell going on, but Martin Stone was in the hierarchy. He gave me one of my first uh, TV-like tests because I actually had a match with him 
it was either fresh off or right before uh, his NXT tryout that got him to where he is now. Um, and people were telling me, you know, don't overthink it. Don't, don't freak out. You know, everyone's been um, overthinking matches with him recently because he's about to, you know, get the call and all these things. And I was like, well, I didn't even know this before this. So I wasn't. To me, it was just another match. And even after that, I've always kind of had that mentality. It's just another match. Eight months into my career, I wrestled Cedric Alexander. Fresh out of training. Not even a year under my belt. Um, I wrestled Cedric Alexander. And the only mishap that happened during the match um, just happened by a top rope move done by him. And it was saved and we continued on and we had a good match. And Cedric told me something in the back of the locker room. Um, he was like, you know, you're, you know, you're doing great, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was a little timid because I didn't know you. Or I don't know how long you've been. I mean, Cedric was wrestling out of North Carolina at the time. So for those that don't know the wrestling business, as big as it is, it is very small. So, but he was like, you know, got a call from the right people. And Figured I was in safe hands. and You know, it was great. He was like, how long you been in again? It's like mm, eight months. And he threw his kick pads and he was like, I need to quit now because you've been in for eight months. And it was like that. Now, thank God he didn't quit because now he's on Monday Night Raw and part of the Hurt Business and all of that. Shout out Cedric. But when I wrestled Martin, that was another litmus test for me to see. Can I really go the distance with this? Can I be one of those guys that, you know, gets signed to WWE and, and, and takes it? And me and Martin had a dope-ass match. I mean, you can see it on YouTube. Just go and search Adrian Armour versus Martin Stone. It will be on the Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment YouTube channel. I had a blast with Martin. We beat the hell out of each other. And then when we got to the back, <laughs> uh, you know, we got our heads right and shook off all the, you know, hits and bruises and stuff like that. But Martin is cool as shit. And we have always been close. I mean, matter of fact, I just talked to him the other day about drinking whiskey and shit uh, because he saw me take a few swigs out of my Jameson bottle. <laughs> but to see him succeed in NXT is dope. I typically watch wrestling to see my, you know, my friends. That's typically what I watch wrestling to do now is to see how my friends are succeeding at the next level. It's a lot of reason why I even pay attention to the Saints because I played football with Sheldon Rankins who plays defense for the New Orleans Saints. But outside of that, I typically don't watch a lot of wrestling anymore. Um, I don't know if it's my mental detachment of trying to stay away from the product to avoid being sucked back in and wanting to wrestle again. Uh, could be. Or product's just not that interesting anymore. And honestly, I'm going to go with that one because most of it isn't. <laughs> um, so 
let's catch up a little bit. I think I, I actually I just told a personal story, but we'll catch up on some more things personal. Uh, my birthday was this past weekend. Um, it was a lot of fun. My wife deserves all of the praise, all of the awards, all of the titles and championships you can think of, uh, because with her being in the Navy, also with this COVID thing going on, also with people's travel plans and things of that nature, or lack of travel plans because of this COVID thing, she has dealt with so, so many audibles to plan together my birthday. Um, now, for me, I'm not typically a big birthday person. Uh, that kind of left me around 16. After I turned 16, um, I pretty much just, I was deep in school and then right after that work and then work, work, school. And then I, I there was a year where I celebrated my birthday on the wrong day. Like that's how, that's how much I've given attention to my birthday. But I knew this year, due to how many things have uh, gotten rescheduled and things like that, I should be excited for this birthday because it's one of the few times in my life where there is someone that is devoting so much attention to my birthday. So she deserves the world, and I plan to give it to her continuously for the rest of my life. Uh, but we went out to eat the night of my birthday. Uh, I had one of those birthday weekends, which is also a new thing for me. Uh, my mom and I know a lot of other people who do weekends and months and, oh, it's my birthday month. And I'm like, what? That Your birth was not the span of a month. That's not how that works. But there are people that do that. Uh, but for me, you know, we went out the night of my birthday. The next day, um, we went out to eat again. But also we found this arcade that's literally across the street from me. And for those that are listening and for those that will continue to follow me during this time, I am a giant gamer. I have a discord in my, in my bio for you to join so we can meet up and play games at both consoles, Xbox one and PS4. And sooner than later, I will probably get the next gen consoles, but I am a giant gamer and I've been gaming since I was a child because my dad was a gamer. So I started very early on PC games in Sega Genesis and things of that nature. My dad used to take me to arcades a lot. So the fact that she found this arcade was dope and the fact that it's a literal the three minute walk from the house was really dope. So we go there, um, of course, because of COVID and all that. We have to wear our face mask and do all that sort of thing. But one, there's no attendees or servers or anything like that there. Two, they have a self-serve beer wall where you go in, you load up your money on this card, and this card is good for game credit and it's your tab. So you just preload your tab on there and then you can go to this beer wall, slide your card in and you can just pour up and it charges you per ounce. 
they have everything from ciders, wines, sangrias to your IPAs, your stouts, uh, double IPAs, all those things. So I'm sitting here like a double kid in Candyland during this birthday weekend <laughs> because not only do I have self-serve beer, but also I get to play everything from pinball to guitar hero to um, ski bowling to throwing a football at targets to the basketball hoop joint, like all these things. I'm like, damn, like I, the last birthday that I had where I had a lot of fun, I vaguely remember. And it wasn't because like, well, actually it was because of the stereotypical, (laughs) um, that birthday, long story short, I'm sure I'll probably tell it on another episode, but Uh, I actually didn't think much was going to come out of this birthday because it was very last minute planning. And I went to a Mexican restaurant that all of my friends usually, you know, we used to go to, especially before work, um, because they have really good food and also really good drinking deals. Um, And I went there. My birthday that year was on a Tuesday and they do Taco Tuesday to where they do uh, $2 tacos. $4 tequila. So I was like, okay, you know what? Bet we'll just meet there for my birthday. We'll drink some tequila. We'll, we'll eat some cheap tacos and we'll have a day. Little did I know that when I got there, I was going to get the people that were about to go to work. So they showed up. Hey, how you doing? Bought me a shot or two. Um, then they dipped out to go to work. And then because of that, the people that just got off of work, and I will mention this Mexican restaurant was two miles, if that, from that said job. Then I got all the people that just got off of work. They just came right over. Oh, hey, how you doing? Bought shots. Also, this place is below an apartment I used to live at. So then neighbors and other bartenders I used to work with and then text got being thrown. And then it was, Oh, we're all here for Kingston's birthday. Little do I know I'm now here from 2 30 PM to 8 PM. And I am 31 to 32 shots of tequila in later after only eating four tacos. It may be some mm, smoked vitamins here or there. And I am trashed. (laughs) And it was a long night, but that was the most excitement that I've had for my birthday previous to this. So being at this arcade was, it was dope. It was hella dope for me. So got to do the arcade, got to drink some beer. This was after going to a really great burger spot um, that is right around here. And they're all like local. Everything's homegrown, uh, all that kind of stuff. So food was great. Then we go to this arcade, this beer cade. That's dope. Then the next day, like I said, birthday weekend. Then the next day, uh, I get surprised with seeing my in-laws. Um, which I don't have the stereotypical relationship with in-laws. I I know some people like can't stand their in-laws or don't like to see them or anything. My in-laws are cool as shit. (laughs) 
So I could never feel that way. But got to see them uh, because they still live in Georgia. Uh, so they made the ride up here. Um, got to hang out with them and the kids and a few friends of the family. Um, then I got my birthday gifts, which were on a entirely new level. For those that don't follow me on social media, I did put out a few. One, I get a bottle of 13-year uh, limited edition Jameson, which I drink regular Jameson-like water. I drink the uh, double barrel, the black barrel, the IPA, the stout. I drink all Jameson's like it's nothing. The problem about this Jameson is that it actually tastes like nothing. <laughs> so having a sip of that and it's like, boy, this could be an issue because it's that good. I I am not a uh, avid person on like getting a whole bunch of aged alcohol or anything like that. So I, I'm, I'm not well versed. I usually drink things that are made and bottled that year. Maybe distilled an extra few times, but not not overly complicated, not overly expensive. But damn, that that Jameson, it is going to be very hard. Very hard not to drink with the quickness. And um, I'm very, very thankful for it. As a matter of fact, I think I said 13 year. I'm tripping. It's 18 years. So 18, 18 year Jameson, you can only buy one at a time. It's that limited, but it's absolutely incredible. And then on top of that, which I actually received that present second, but on top of that, I got a signed <laughs> with proof of, you know, authentication, the picture of the actual signing. But I get a signed Michael Jackson bad vinyl, which I had to shut my entire emotions off because of how big this was for me. I mean, I, I have been a Michael Jackson fan since I was a child. Uh, some of his music is the most incredible piece of art that I've ever listened to. My favorite song of all time is Human Nature by Michael Jackson. It is one of the most incredible pieces of music to me. And I constantly, still to this day, listen to that song on the regular. I listen to Mike on the regular. And to get a signed album, one thing that I had already written off of my collection list or wish list or whatever you you know want to call it i didn't know how to react but now i have a signed michael jackson album and then after that i have to pull myself together and we go to this all you can eat brazilian steakhouse and i enjoy every cut of meat uh, grilled pineapple, a few drinks. I got a uh, pomegranate mojito that was absolutely delicious. But that was my birthday weekend. And then I got to come home to, uh, I already had a cheesecake, which that's my favorite dessert is a cheesecake. I had one of the like variety pack cheesecakes, 
But then on top of that, they got me the Godiva Chocolate Lovers Cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory. So I have two cheesecakes, which if anybody knows Cheesecake Factory's cheesecakes, they're the slices are huge anyways. So I have that big-ass cheesecake as well. Then got to come home, watch football on Sunday, get to see the Chiefs put the whole hurt on the Denver Broncos. And it was just a crazy, incredible weekend. Like I've like I've said several times, my wife deserves all of the praise. Because the fact that she dealt with all of the bullshit, dealt with all of the schedule changes and everything that happened and still made this thing go is incredible to me. Because um, she's a huge planner. I know that she loves to plan and work out things and she definitely even with all that happening made it happen what a weekend what a weekend so to cap up on some breaking news before i let everyone go uh well des bryant is one more step closer to being a baltimore raven um, the Ravens right now are finalizing the practice squad deal up right now, uh, but it's not a done deal, but it is on its way to being a done deal. Um, I'm sure they will have him on the practice squad for uh, a few weeks. They'll, they'll probably have him running there until, uh, they get to the playoffs. And then that's when he'll probably become activated, swapped out for whatever injury that may happen at the time and just have him be a good vet mind and vet legs for uh, the playoffs. It'll be like the inverse of what the Chiefs did with Shady McCoy. Um, uh, right now, Chris Godwin is out because of a fractured, he fractured his left index finger. Um, so, that's one receiver down for the Bucks, but also something that happened over this weekend. Actually, it happened on my birthday. Uh, the Bucks signed Antonio Brown. And now that the details are out that, of course, it's vet men, but with um, a, a heavier sprinkle on the incentives, he's pretty much, what was it, a little over a two mil cap hit? It's nothing. Nothing. Um, and that was really the biggest news that came out of this. Uh, Quinn and Williams about to be traded from the Jets. Tony O'Brien signing with the Bucks. Chris Godwin out, but guess what? AB <clears throat> comes in very quickly. Uh, Des Bryant about to be on the practice squad for the Ravens. And uh, the Chiefs got out of Denver a snow game with no injuries. How about that? <laughs> Uh, but with that being said, guys, I love you guys. Uh, those that have constantly come in every week, uh, those that have constantly come in and listened to the whole show, shared the show, things of that nature. I really appreciate you. Um, I know that there's a little backup on the episodes being on Spotify, um, but we're going to get that rolling uh, back soon. Uh, but with that being said, you can catch the replays on here. The replays are actually going to stop being on here uh, once 
we get back, you know, uh, repetitively on Spotify. So you will only be able to catch the edited, you know, music, intro, all that. You'll only be able to catch that version through uh, the Kansas City Podcast Network, KCPN, um, that you can catch on the KCPN app, or um, you can go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can catch it on here. So just know, if you want to be live in the chat, talk, all that kind of stuff, you have to be here on Podbean. But if you are a person that can never catch this live, if you're a person that is maybe working during this time or uh, you just don't want to interact, <laughs> you can still catch this podcast um, on the apps that you already have downloaded. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. I appreciate all of the love that's been shown. And with that, it is October 27th, 2020. And I'm out of here. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to the Voice of Fandom podcast. You can join live every Tuesday and Thursday by downloading the Podbean app or listen to audio playback exclusively through the Kansas City Podcast Network, available by app download or anywhere else you choose to listen to your podcasts. We all know that the only way to top the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew is with velvety new sweet cold foam from Dunkin'. But how do you top that? With an exclusive offer for DD Perks members. Get a medium chocolate stout cold brew with sweet cold foam, cold brew with sweet cold foam, or cold brew for $3. It's the perfect deal to top off the perfect top to the perfect cup of Dunkin' Cold Brew. Doesn't that sound great? Not a DD Perks member? Join today via the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus. The bulbous walrus. The name your price tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.